This is Biz. I'm a stay-at-home mom with a toddler son and a daughter who's a full-blown kid. And I'm Teresa, a part-time working mom with two little boys. This is a show about life after giving life. Don't listen with your kids, because there will be swears. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, parenting other people's kids. Hmm, that doesn't sound as nice as it takes a village. Plus, Biz is a feminist contradiction, Teresa's kids play grown-ups, and we talk to poet, author, activist Aya de Leon about many things, including talking to young children about race. Woo! <laughs> that does deserve a woo. Oh, yeah. It deserves a big woo. I'm excited. How are you, Teresa? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> um, no. Basically, like, okay, my kids are doing something right now that, like, should be cute. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Do you know what I mean? Everything my children are doing. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, Exactly. I got it. So Simon watched a, an episode of Shaun the Sheep, and it's the one where the sheep get all dressed up in, like, the farmer guy's coat, and they stand on each other's shoulders, and they go and they try to buy a pizza <laughs> using, like... <laughs> Using, like, a pocket full of, like, weird shit. Sure. Including, like, a frog. Okay. And they buy a pizza. So Simon is obsessed with this. But what's weird is that he, like, identifies with the sheep. Like, he thinks that he can't, as, like, a five-year-old, go buy a pizza. Right. Which, probably at our pizza place, if I sent him in with a 20, he could buy a pizza. You know what I mean? And, like, but he thinks, like, I have to dress, I'm going to dress up. Yeah. And I'm going to take your keys. And I don't know what he thinks is going to happen when he gets out the front gate. Yeah. Like, is, does he really think he's going to get in the car and drive to the know, pizza let's place? See. But you got a long find out. Let's find out. Yeah, let's find out. <laughs> so, and then he wants to go, so he wants to dress up in my clothes and try to go order a pizza. Sure. Which, I guys, do too. it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> it is. That is hilarious. Your child is adorable. Yes, is adorable. And Oscar is like his little partner in crime. Sure. So they're just running around together, getting all pumped up about this plan, this Great. secret plan that they have. And anytime I do anything to like get in the way of their plan, <laughs> they're like, it's okay. We'll do it tonight while everyone's asleep. <laughs> This is what I've been trying to program my children to be doing for yeah. years. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. And so, and I'm just like, okay, all right. Like, we all know Simon sleeps like a giant rock. Sure. So, like, there's no way he's waking up to do anything That's in the right. middle you of the night. You stay up for Santa, guys. Yeah, you do right. that. Yeah. Okay. Like, have fun. Um, but so, like, it's adorable. But then now he's kind of, like, been doing it, like, every day uh-huh. for, like, a week. Yeah. And I'm starting to get really sick of him just going into my room without asking <laughs> and, like, pulling clothes out of my drawers. And, like, Oscar's not too bad because he, he pretty much just puts on my clogs and right. walks around in my clogs, which my is mama. Right. not a big deal. Yeah. But Simon's fully, like, picking out stuff he wants and, like, putting it on, leaving a mess. Wow. Like, dealing with belts and yeah. complicated <laughs> things. Like, you know... And so I finally got to the point where I was just like, okay, whoa, like, I like dress up. Dress up is super fun. You can't just go into my stuff without asking. You have to ask me first and I will help you do it. Well, great. But then he's asking me to help him all play dress up the, all the fan. time, yeah, like ten that's times not a day. Your thing. No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> no, no one wants. I to did do it that. like one time, <laughs> right. and then I was like, "And we're done." <laughs> and so now he keeps going back for more. Right. And then, like beyond that, there's also this issue with the keys. Like he's obsessed with like having keys um, and like going to the front gate, and like he can't really get out the gate, but he probably could still, if he really tried. Your like keys are gone. Well, yeah. yeah, and it's just an it, whatever. It's 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 like it's like kind of risky. I kind of know he's not going to do the wrong thing. Like he knows what the rules are, 
But he's like toying with the idea. Yeah. And that's just annoying to me, okay. especially with Oscar, because Oscar doesn't understand. Right. So there's a, there's just so many problems with this whole thing. Yeah. So, yes, it's adorable, but it's driving me bananas. You've just hit, you've jumped the shark with adorable dress up. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want no. them to do this anymore. So I'm just like <laughs> waiting for it to be over. Like, I'm just waiting. So I'm not, I'm not like having an argument with him about no. it, really. I'm just kind of like, eh. Do you like, want to? I just you, like want it to end. Yeah, you want like, it to end. Yeah. Do you want a tip? Do you want an unsolicited sure. parenting advice Great. tip? Yes. Box, clothes you don't give two shits about, mm. fake set of keys, put them somewhere mysterious. We did the fake keys. Did you? All right, the fake, fake keys. keys. And, but just like put a box of clothes, of clothes that, I don't mind. that you don't mind him always going through. You can do these. Yeah, and yeah. like put them someplace that's not his room. Like even if he yeah. goes into your room, if that's like it's part of it, for him. he can reach it easily. Yeah. All right. Might be a solution. No, no, that, uh, yeah. that would help. I mean, it's, it's one of those, help. you're in that zone of like, if I ignore it, we're just going to write it out. Yeah. Or is like really going for it with them yeah. going to make them be like, well, screw this. I don't want to do this because yeah. you want to do it. Yeah, you know? exactly. Go yeah. get a tattoo a side and get a tattoo. Yeah. I don't want a tattoo anymore. Yeah. 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 Well, that sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah, thanks. No, yeah. That's all. Okay, good. How are you? Uh, I'm riled up. Riled up. <laughs> it is. I know, again, try and be timeless, mm-hmm. not timely. Mm-hmm. But uh, last night, Hillary Clinton was uh, became the first woman to be the official presidential nominee for a party in America, which is very exciting. It's I mean, so like, I just don't like that. Some glass ceiling stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not a political show, like, whatever, but yeah. that is an exciting fact that is happening. Yeah. Uh, so we've been all riled I up. I think it relates to all parents of yeah. kids. Yeah. Because you have a new person you can yeah. point at, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you feel like, look at that. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and I will say, that is exciting that my daughter now, I can now say, this is an example of, you know, there's, there's yeah. an, another door not closed to you, just yeah. even in your mind. Yeah. And I can also say to my son, you know, this is, look at this. This yeah. is, everybody's equal. I mean, my my son's got to grow up in a world of Target and, you know, Old Navy t-shirts where they take the women out of every ensemble that a woman's in. Right. Right? Like, enjoy your superheroes, no Wonder Woman. Enjoy, yeah. you know, you've heard me rant on about the stupid toy story where yeah. every character but Jesse is on yeah. it, for God's sake. Yep. And now there's like a whole, you know, but but our president can be a woman. You know, anyway, yep. so it's all very good. But we're watching the convention. Tari- and, um, Katie Bell and I are watching the convention, and we've been talking about a lot of the stuff over. She's six, almost seven. Uh, we've been talking about a lot of stuff. And uh, and I so I started doing this thing that I always say to her. I'm like, listen, baby girl, you know, because she's so confident and she's so loud and she's just outspoken mm-hmm. and she's just, you know, totally 100%. Katie Bell. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll hit these moments where I'm like, you listen to me, Katie Bell, listen to me. Don't ever let anybody tell you, uh, you know, to be quiet. Don't ever let tell, you know, somebody tell you not to be loud, not to say what you want to say. You know, don't ever let anybody tell you just to smile. You know, like (laughs) we had a brief conversation (laughs) about like, you know, just because you're a woman, you're supposed to smile. Like that's like some weird thing. And and we're talking about this. And as soon as it comes out of my mouth, I have to like immediately, this other switch clicks. She's like, you know, of course, mama, of course. And then I go, Except occasionally your father and I will tell you <laughs> to not be loud and we will also Doesn't tell count. you to Doesn't smile count. for pictures yeah. and to look nice and put a little lipstick on, baby, you'll feel better, as my mother used to yell as I left the house. <laughs> and, uh, actually, uh, uh, in exciting surprise news, my sister's visiting uh, L.A. and she's outside listening to the show. And as, the, as I uh, embodied my mother saying put a little lipstick on, Helen Michelle gave me the thumbs up. <laughs> she took my mother's advice and always has a little lipstick on and is always 
boys uh, having probably a better day than I am. <laughs> uh, I'm getting too old to not wear lipstick. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so it was. I was like, oh, this is a really weird mixed message that I am sending to KG Bell. Yeah. But luckily she's smarter than I ever was. And so she's like, no, I got that. I understand She'll figure that. it out. She's like, I got it. Yeah. Like different the, context. Different, different yeah. thing. Uh, but I get this This kind of also plays in to what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about a lot of things today. Mm-hmm. But I do think about, like, kids can be exposed to a lot of people giving them this sort of advice and talking to them and uh, telling them, you know, what they should do and what they shouldn't do, which I think kind of falls into this category of other people parenting your kids, mm-hmm. uh, which is what we're going to talk about today. So... Let's do that. (laughs) Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. Teresa. Yes. Parenting other people's children... Or other people parenting your children. Mm-hmm. Uh, you brought this up as a as a topic idea, and I, it it was one of those ones where I was like, "Huh, what does that mean?" <laughs> then I spent five minutes thinking about it, and I was like, "Oh, this is interesting." Uh, I would love to start with what when you think of that. Yeah. When, you, when you came up with this, what were you thinking? Like, what does that mean to you? Well, the way it came up for me, or the way it like repeatedly seems to come up for me, is like always at drop off, drop off and pick up at my kids' school. Oh, okay. So like I'm always there for like a few minutes, you know, and because I have two kids getting dropped off at the same school in different classrooms, I'm there for a little while right. each time, and I'm interacting with a lot of kids during that time. Oh yeah. And the kids are kind of used to me now and see me, and they know that they can talk to me. Right. So occasionally something will come up. Where, um, like, for example, sometimes kids in Simon's class, will, who are the, the older kids, the, like, pre-K kids, will be a little rough with Oscar, yeah. who's two and a half, who's in a younger classroom. And Oscar comes with me to drop Simon off. We do Simon's drop-off first, and then we go right. bring Oscar. So they'll be a little too rough. And, like, I feel, I think it's totally normal as a parent to be like, you know, don't, he doesn't want to be touched in the face. Right. Like, don't yeah. touch him in the face or, like, it's a little <laughs> tight around his neck right, right. there, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, if there's an actual conflict, like, that is fine. But if there's an actual conflict, like, you know, kids, like, Oscar's trying to grab a toy from right. somebody or the kid's trying to grab something from Oscar or Simon's involved and I need to do any sort of, like, breaking something up or, like, talking kids through a problem. Right. Like, if there's, if they've reached an impasse of some kind. Yeah. Which does come up once in a while and the teacher's across the room sure. or they're in another, whatever. And I, I sort of feel like, is it okay for me to, and I'm like, yeah, it's fine. You know, so we talk about, can this person take a turn first or whatever. But sometimes I think it's a little weird when, or, you know, a kid has a question for me about something right. that's unrelated, you right. know? Sometimes I think it's weird if I don't know the kid's parents. Like, right. there's some kids who I know their parents, but then there's plenty of kids at the school. I just, we have different pickup and drop-off times. I don't know their parents. Right. Literally do not know their parents' names. Right. Or I and just don't know And their kid's like, them. do you have a vagina? Exactly. And you're like, yes. And then the kid goes home and says, Simon's, Simon's mommy mom told me she's exactly. got a vagina. Exactly. And then you're like, what the... <laughs> 
Exactly. So it's like there's there are these moments where yeah. I'm a little bit like, where like or What's you know the lie? like what am I supposed to say? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it, it did come up a little bit too because I was driving on a preschool field trip, and so oh, I had that's three kids place. in my car, and you know you're just kind of together the whole day, and yeah. you kind of get to know each other, and it's really nice, but it's like kind of weird to have a relationship with somebody else's kid that you right. don't know. Do you know what I mean? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, no, you do find yourself suddenly in a position where you are parenting yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, but I guess that's so. I guess that's what I'm wondering. Like, there's, you know, are we? Do we consider our babysitters or our daycare providers or mm. our teachers parenting, mm. or do we just see them as taking care of our kid? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, am am I when I step in? Because I was the same way. I'm the same way at the kids' schools. I'm there like all the time. So kids are always asking for stuff. You know, is there? Is just stepping in to be like, hey, you shouldn't do that, yeah. or working through some mild conflicts, you know, is that really parenting, or is it just being a citizen right. of the world? Because what when you had said this to me, I was like, yeah. huh, parenting each other's kids, that sounds nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, or actually, it doesn't sound as nice. Mm. It, it makes me think of the like, what are that's yeah. you're grabbing? Are you teaching? Yeah, these children grabbing. Like, yeah. but you get like very yeah. critical. Yeah. when you see people stepping in to do this, uh, especially people you don't know uh, stepping in, and but aren't we all like constantly talking about wanting a village to raise our children? Yeah, right. And isn't that what parenting each other's kids kind of is? Because I grew up uh, in a time where. You know, in our neighborhood, we'd be out playing all day long, and you knew, and you knew anywhere you went, mm-hmm. whether it was the neighborhood or the school or the pickup, that other adults were watching you. If you were doing something you weren't supposed to be doing, somebody was going to come out and tell you, and they would yeah. tell you in a way very unlike your parents would tell you. Yeah. It was also, you know, at least for us, a thing where if we got in trouble from some other adult and they took them, took us to our parents, mm-hmm. my parents would listen to them apologize, the parent would go, and then we'd have a conversation. There was never this, like, you know, let's have a conversation in front of all the parents and, like, talk it out yeah. and see. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was just like, the, the, so it was, to me, that feels like, you know, it's just like a, a given as a kid that, like, yeah. anybody at any point in time um, could be stepping in, and that feels like the village, as it were. So. And yeah. I've had great moments where... You know, when Katie Bell was really little, uh, we met a group of friends just at the park because we were all up at like every, all these people just had kids that got up at five o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. So at six, we were all at this park uh, playing and uh, we all began to sort of hang out. And it was very much a experience like you talked about from a recent trip that you did where the parents were all kind of all over the place and the kids just wandered through and you never had to chase your kid because another parent was there to be like, oh, are you okay? Yeah. I'm going to help you out. Yeah. Oh, are you guys fighting the over best. this? Let's split this up. Are you hungry? Yeah. Here's a snack. Yeah. And that felt good. Yeah. So nice. that feels like the village. Yeah. While can somebody else parent your kid, yeah. which is the darker cloud way of saying <laughs> it, feels gross when it's somebody that you may not like. You know, and and I I want to throw this out there, too, is that I've also been in situations where, like, uh, a really good friend uh, who moved out here recently and, you know, Katie Bell was, like, interrupting and, like, talking all that stuff. And she was like, don't interrupt. We're talking. Right? Mm -hmm. And, like, I think it was just that, like, Katie Bell was just old enough to be told, but you know, like, for that to, like, be a time where she needs to be told something like Mm -hmm. that, coinciding with it being somebody else telling her. Mm -hmm. And I was a little like... 
huh, I don't know. She's right. I mean, my friend is right mm-hmm. to say that to Katie Bell. And she said it in a really nice way. But I suddenly feel really weird mm. watching that. Mm. And so, I Like you've been like cast aside or you weren't No, it just was or... like, don't you tell my kid. I'll tell oh. my kid to shut up. You don't yeah. tell my kid to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> like that kind of thing. Yeah. So I don't know. I, that was a lot. I, did any of that like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think for me, like I have much less of like. I haven't had, like, a lot of negative experiences with people, like, other people, quote-unquote, parenting my kids. And, like, I feel like even in those situations where, um, like, say another parent was there at drop-off or whatever and I wasn't there and something came up with my kid. And even if a parent, like, handled it differently than I would, I don't mind because, like, I feel like... Yeah, you're right. Like, when we say parenting other people's kids, it's actually the wrong word. I think it is, It's like, um, it's like... I don't know, teaching or leading or interacting with or something. Yeah. Because, like, um, the reason why it doesn't bother me, and the same goes for, like, just other, you know, friends and family and people out in the world, is that I kind of know at the end of the day, like, I'm raising him. Like, right, I'm raising the, the yeah. kids. Jesse and I are raising these kids. And, like, it's okay for them to figure out that in other situations things are different. Yeah. Like, it's okay for them to realize that, like, out in the world, some parent might say something different than I would say or deal with something differently. Like, that's life. But, like, what they're going to know is that, like, when they come home, like, at the end of the day, what I'm teaching them is, like, so much more impactful and so much more, like, consistent over their childhood. Okay, I have two questions on that. One... Uh, did you have you always felt that way or has that evolved as your kids have gotten older and with number two? Right. Like, mm. was there do you feel like you've come to this place? I think Jesse helped me with that. OK, um, because there would be like occasionally sometimes with family members where like I would feel like I really didn't like how that was handled right. you know, with with my kid. And he would just say, you know, as long as like our kids are physically safe and like they're not like being emotionally scarred like (laughs) as long as like some basic you know boundaries are there and like and like emotional and physical safety is there yeah um it's okay like it's like he was just like it's it's totally fine and maybe even good for them to like have things be different with other people because we're when like when it comes down to it we're their parents and like when he said that to me like he said it to me a couple times (laughs) things that have come up and like I, I really like it really resonated for me because I was just like, of course, like I ma- it made me like really let go of like those little moments. So I was just like, of course, like, yeah, it's not like I'm some absentee parent. Like I'm the parent. You right. know what I mean? Like, right. But I, I will say that for me, I definitely evolved into that. I think, you know, mm-hmm. it's poor second child. I know. My- <laughs> You know, Katie Bell, I, w- I was, like, or way, good, I was or way more sensitive. for the second child. Well, yeah, no, it is. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I because, mean, like, yeah. when I think about how sensitive I was to stuff with Katie Bell, especially yeah. those first, like, you know, two, three years, yeah. I would be like, I was way, my radar was way more, like, totally. tuned to be defensive yeah. or to go and home and really think and, about it. Yeah. And then as she got older, you know, even before we had Ellis, I realized, ugh. Actually, it is okay. I mean, yeah. my, my mother said something very similar. You yeah. know, like, it's not going to screw them up for the rest of their life. Yeah. And you it's know, also you're there like, to undo it. And then when I had Ellis, it was just like, I, I need this help. Right. I need people to exactly. be stepping in and saying stuff. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. And like you said, as long as it doesn't, uh, you know, it stays within the parameters that are safe for my children yeah. overall. Yeah. And it's okay for them also to be exposed to just some ugliness in the world, too, to mm-hmm. be able to, I mean, I don't, 
I mean, you know, within limits. Right, exactly. They're going to hear people saying ugly things. Sure. And then as a parent, I can step in and say, yeah, that's not what we do. I mean, because you and I have shared those experiences of being at people's houses and they're like, you know, for me, it was you're going to eat everything on your plate. I was like, you poured this cereal, this monster bowl of cereal (laughs) for me that I I didn't even ask for. And you with the woman, you know, who had told you about like. That I can't say that I'm hungry. You can't say that you're hungry. I mean, like, we're all all, all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, I guess the goal is to raise our kids to come back to us and say this happened right. and that's weird, yes. right? Like, yes. to I know if we're gonna let the village help, yes. we've got to also empower our kids to say this is what happened Something in the village today. This is weird. Yeah, yeah. It seems weird. Yeah. Um, all right, just one last question though. Yeah. For the times where it does trigger something, yeah, or where it does make me, you know, look, it's still hit and miss for me a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because so much of it will play into two things for me when I see, when I come upon somebody stepping in mm-hmm. with the kids, two things happen if uh, if it's if it rubs me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is it's probably playing on something that I experienced as a kid, but mm-hmm. I don't want my kid to like yeah. get embarrassment or, uh, you know, shame feel it shame or, yeah. or something like yeah. that, that I, I definitely don't want my kid to experience, even though it's something that everybody's got to go through. You can't protect them from that. And two, I, there are times where I'm like, what if some? What if somebody has, else has to raise my kids? Right. Something happens to Stefan yeah. and I, and that somebody could else actually that could actually happen. Yeah. And you know, how do you? Because no one will ever do it like me. I know. Uh, but that's okay. I'm like ah. And so I don't want to necessarily spend time talking about that because I, yeah. I think that's a totally different discussion. It is. That yeah. we'll save for Halloween. <laughs> the most terrifying of discussions for Halloween. Um, but uh, God help us. But. I, I know that I think that those are things that are, like, in the kind back of, of my brain, my like, yeah. clicking when right. I see it. Right. Well, you know what, though? That's, that's yeah. I mean, that's g- taking it to a bit of a dark place. But, like, <laughs> but it is, a, it's a real thing. And yeah. also, I think, oh, yeah, it just, like, kind of brings home that it can be so helpful to, like, embrace those people who you can trust right. to like kind of handle things maybe not the way you would but in a way that you think is good right, right um just because like I know growing up like I you know my my mom has a lot of siblings and we mm. kind of I grew up around a lot of my cousins and aunts and uncles and um thinking about this topic I was just I had so many like memories rush over me of like aunts and uncles just telling me stuff yeah. like just explaining the way things work to me all the time all about the time. all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Like just being there, being available, being like other sources of information yeah. about the world. And um that's awesome, I think. Like and yeah. it's and it's like it, it's uh it's setting up I think a world of like that like kids have a place to go. Like yeah, you know. I, yes, that is an excellent I was yes, that is a great takeaway from from this as well as I feel like when I am witnessing somebody do that with the kids I sometimes learn something new. I'm like, oh, Oh, look how well that works. What a better way to explain this than what I was trying to do. Uh, Or uh, that really helped my kid learn that if they get hurt, somebody else will help them and somebody else will be there for them. Uh, And so I I, I think there's real value to it besides my personal desire to you know, micromanage everything that my children come in contact with. (laughs) Smile, baby! (laughs) 
do you think people love you as a villain? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I have no, no goddamn oh, no. idea. I, I don't know either. Just stop I talking think I'm to great. kids at preschool. I think I'm great stepping in. I mean, in. I think I'm pretty good. Right. I, I would be happy to have me step in. I know, I would too. I may fall into the category of telling somebody, because I have seen stuff like on the, especially once they got into first grade, mm-hmm. there was a lot of this like, you know, you'd see one of Katie Bell's friends, you know, kind of off and sad. And I would, oh, are you yeah. okay? Everything yeah. all right? I'm a big, you okay? You all right? Yeah. I'll take you to the nurse, whatever. Yeah. And, and I'm also a big step-in parenter where if I'm at an event and mm. somebody else's parents can't be there, I take pictures and oh, send it to nice. the parents because I know that they want to be there. So and it, nice. like, helps the kid. I'm like, let's take a picture for yeah. your mom or whatever. Yeah. Everybody on my phone is so-and-so's mom, so-and-so's mom, Aww. so-and-so's mom. But I've seen them where they're sad and I go over, hey, you okay? Everything all right? Yeah. And they'll say... You know, so-and-so yeah. told me I'm whatever. Basically, somebody's being a jerk. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard because my instinct, and I've borderline saying this to Katie Bell s- several times, mm-hmm. is, is I just want to tell these six- and seven-year-olds, well, fuck them. Yeah. That's what I want to say. Yeah. Fuck that guy or fuck that girl. They're, yeah. Who cares? I'm yeah. sorry they're making you feel bad, yeah. but you are better than that. Yeah. And literally in five minutes, they're going to want to be friends with you again. Mm-hmm. And you can set the limits of like, you know, I, but instead, I word it in the, you know what, uh, I'm sure there have been times where you've wanted to do something one-on-one with a friend, and then later you were ready to go back and play with more people. Everybody gets time to, you know, to play mm-hmm. with uh, their friends, uh, and you, when that happens, you just want to go and play with somebody else, find something else that you want to go do. Uh, with the idea that eventually you guys will all come back together and be friends. You like private. Like, I try and find examples that they may be able to relate to, you know? And yeah. it's really easy with Katie Bell because I've seen her do it. I can say, yeah. well, wasn't there that time where you and so-and-so were, you know, only wanting to play ponies and you weren't letting anybody else play? How do you think that made them feel? Mm-hmm. Can you be more inclusive? And sometimes I just say... It's okay. And I, I just ask them about something that they're doing. That's okay. Oh, my God. I love your shoes. Where did yeah. you get those shoes? Yeah. You know? Like, and just totally change. It depends on the kid. Yeah. And it depends on the situation. Yeah. But I I would want somebody stepping in. I know. If Katie Bell, if somebody was being a jerk to Katie Bell. Yeah. And, or jerk to Ellis. And... I, I think that's okay. I, I don't know if every parent would like that of me. But I just do my best. You know, in the situation. Like, yeah, it seems like, and like as long as you're being nice and yeah. you're like, thinking of the, you're doing it like for the kid, not for yourself. Yeah, it right. seems like no, every parent would, I would think, would be like grateful for that. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, like I think I we would, can get yeah, defensive. I, I think we can get defensive when another parent comes along and says, "Hey, your kid, yeah, was sad today. Yeah, or your kid got hurt, or they seem off. Yeah, you know, is everything okay? That kind of thing." That can, like, totally trigger our, am I being judged, you know, oh, like, yeah. you know, buttons. Oh, but that's yeah. another one where that's on us. And so yeah, if a parent or another adult is reaching out to you about this, you know, that's just something we've got to work on, on not being on the defensive and instead being thankful that somebody else is watching your kid. And yeah. if we're the one talking about it, if we're the one who's, like, reaching out, we also have to be careful about how we say it, yeah. not sounding judgy or not sounding, you know, like... Oh my gosh, I I don't know, just how would you like somebody to say it to you? Right. And to be aware that, you know, everybody's got stuff going on. So I remember one time a friend of Katie Bell's was like bawling hysterical and I was like, Are you okay? And like her dog they had put her dog down, you mm-hmm. know, the night before. She was it was just gonna be a rough week for that kid. Yeah. Yeah. So um but I reached out to her mom and was like, Hey, I saw 
her having a hard time. I heard that your dog passed away. I'm so sorry. Is there anything I can do to help? Do you, yeah. you know, need a, a hand with anything? I don't know. I, I The village. It's a village. I like that. Sometimes people I, I are great like, in your village. Yeah, but I feel like what I feel like what we're actually learning is like why not like reach out yeah. rather than just like walk away. Yeah, you we know? can't like, we can't have the best of both awful worlds where yeah. we're isolated and at the same time we don't want anybody involved. Right. Sorry guys. Yeah. Those two things actually should not exist at the same time. Right. <laughs> well, uh, I'm so glad you're up for it. I'll be dropping both children off at your house later today. Oh uh, wait. Uh, ooh. <laughs> Did we is this? I'm confused. Wait. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Bumby Box which is a monthly subscription toy box curated for toddlers and preschool-age kids. Inside your Bumby box, you're going to find award-winning toys. They're tailored to your child's age and interests. And all of the toys support play-based learning activities. A Lots of times I'm so burned out that I don't know how to take the next step and really engage my child uh, or make it so that they are engaging with this toy that they have uh, to foster all the beautiful things that children need to foster in their brains. And I found this really helpful. I mean, sometimes it's just like, it'd be just as simple if the card said, hey, you, play with this toy. But it's much more defined than that. And what's also awesome is that all the toys are 100% eco-friendly. So there's a special offer for One Bad Mother listeners from Bumby Box. Just go to BumbyBox.com and enter the code BADMOTHER at checkout. You'll get 10% off a new order. You can do it for yourself or as a gift. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time, Teresa. Genius me. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh, my God. That's fucking genius. Well, anybody who listened to our Max FunCon Live episode knows that I had a really bad fail with remembering swim diapers that Biz saved me from. Yes. Um, but the I, worst, I just the best. couldn't, be- <laughs> like, I just repeatedly was forgetting swim diapers. But I'm happy to report that I've had quite the turnaround. Uh, I've remembered swim diapers on all our recent uh, summertime travels and ventures. Um, and then... Today, I did something particularly magical. Oh. Um, so we were gone for a few days. And when we were about to leave, the last day that Oscar had preschool, they told me he needs diapers yeah. and swim diapers. He's out of both. And I said, OK. And I thought to myself, <laughs> there's no goddamn way <laughs> that after a few days away, I'm going to come home and the right. night before we go back to like come home and like know and like remember. Yeah. And then I thought, should I leave the diapers out before we go away so that when I come home, they'll be out mm. and they'll be ready so that will remind me? But then I was like, I couldn't because we were packing. And so, like, everything was everywhere. Yeah. And there were piles. And it was just too confusing. There were pa- diapers that I was packing for the trip, blah, blah, blah. So I did not leave them out. Yet somehow, this morning, 
taking him back to school after several days away, I just looked at the diapers and I knew. I knew we needed diapers and swim diapers. Nice. I brought them to school and he has them. It was like a magical brain moment. You're getting really good at this, Teresa. Thanks, Miss. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, as many of you... Uh, no, who listened to the show, Katie Bell has for a while had a favorite song, a fight song. Mm-hmm. And uh, last night I let her watch, stay up and watch uh, former President Bill Clinton give part of his speech at the Democratic National Convention supporting uh, Hillary. And uh, afterwards they played this video with the song fight song mm-hmm. uh, where everybody was singing and dancing and we have now watched it a million times and while I'm not sure how much Katie, well, Katie Bill says after the fourth time I may get a little weepy mama when I'm watching this <laughs> uh, but you know she just I don't know you guys know I have pretty open conversations with Katie Bell but like we're on the couch watching everything last night and she says to me uh, mama what's a feminist and I just looked at her and I was like you are a baby girl you know, you that you are. You are smart and you are kind and you are loud and you are ferocious in your opinions. And and that's who you are. Uh, and as I later told Stefan, uh, and when people start trying to chip away at that, we hope all those karate lessons kick in. <laughs> but, you know, it just was like it was just like a nice night for her uh, to just, I don't know, have something to be excited about and proud of uh, for that. And, you know. Yeah, it just felt good. It That's felt like awesome. it just felt like a nice time with my child. That's great. Yeah, good job. Hello. So my son was playing in my car, and he decided he's going to take my lipstick, uh, lipstick, lip chop, <laughs> and smear it on the dashboard. So, in a little bit of a genius moment, um, I just picked up the Kleenex and wiped it off. Well, my dashboard needed to be shined anyway, and it looks like the chapstick is actually a pretty good uh, device for shining your dashboard. So I sort of uh, took the liberty of using a little bit of my chapstick that I wasn't using anyway and shined up my dashboard and now my car also smells a little bit like cherry. So I guess that's kind of a genius moment a little bit. Plus I didn't freak out at my kid for wasting chapstick. I don't know. Anyway, thanks. Talk there. Way to embrace it. Yep. Way to embrace it. Always that is learning. Always learn. Always, always open to new things. <laughs> well, but really, the, the real genius <laughs> moment, I think, is is the, like, I didn't freak out on my kid about this. Yeah. You know, it's done, and it's happened, yeah. and you, you made some some cherry-flavored lemonade mm-hmm. out yeah. of that. And good job. Good job. Failures. Fail me, Teresa. Fail. You suck. Everybody remembers last week when we were late for the swim lesson and had a bad swim lesson. <laughs> um, this weekend, we weren't around for the swim lesson, and I just totally forgot to cancel it. So mm. now we don't even get a makeup swim lesson, and I won't say how much money down the tubes oh, that is. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. That's stupid. That sucks. Yeah. That sucks. So, um... Again, last week I announced Katie Bell is now a vegetarian who, Mm -hmm. and I went into it gung-ho, looking up some recipes, trying some new stuff. Stefan's out of town, so it's just me and Katie Bell. Uh, And so it's just, we've had a a lot of pasta 
Mm-hmm. And it may be the exact same pasta pretty much every night mm-hmm. with the same sauce. <laughs> I, I, do, I would not say that I'm feeding her well or better yet, myself well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So just, you know, it, it, it my pasta for Katie Bell is the equivalent of back when she wasn't a vegetarian and we ate a lot of hot dogs for a week. Right. So not it's the same zone. Same zone. Yeah. Same failing in a nourishing way right. zone. Yep. Sorry. Eh. Hey, ladies. I have a fail for you. So the other night, my husband was getting our 18-month-old son ready for bed and changing his diaper. And I was getting ready to go put him down to bed. So I'm walking around trying to find his pacifier, which he only wants one pacifier, <laughs> even though we have a thousand of them. We're looking around. We spend about 20 minutes looking, looking, looking. Finally, I just say, whatever. He's going to have to have one of his non-favorite pacifiers. <laughs> I go to pick him up, and I say to my husband, what is this hard thing in his diaper? And we take his diaper off. And his favorite pacifier is stuck between his butt cheeks, up his butt. I have no idea how that can even happen, but it did. But we found the pacifier. Thanks, ladies. Love you so much. Oh that is That's a surprising place to amazing. find something, right? That is that is impressive. Oh, thank that- you for calling that in. <laughs> it's so incredible. To be filed away in the, huh, how that wind up there yeah. category yeah. of fails that we get uh, every every week. Well, I say you're doing a horrible job losing it in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. How did that happen? Somehow this is your fault. You're a horrible mother. Yeah, you're doing all right. You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you. I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. I love you, I love you. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Talkspace. Therapy can and should be affordable, confidential, and convenient. And this is exactly what Talkspace is. You get unlimited messaging to your dedicated licensed therapist for just $25 a week. So you can join over 200,000 users who already know that with Talkspace, you can text, audio message, or video message your therapist as many times as you want without having to wait a week for your next appointment. This is kind of amazing, for, especially for folks who are busy parents or stay-at-home parents and don't have a chance to get away from the house. That's right. So visit Talkspace.com slash badmother for a special $30 discount off your first month or download the Talkspace app on the Apple or Android app store and use coupon code badmother. Talkspace, therapy for how we live today. Teresa, let's call a parent. Great. This week, we are talking to Aya de Leon, who is an acclaimed writer of prose and poetry. Kensington Books will publish her debut novel, Uptown Thief, a Latina Robin Hood heist story on New Yorker's Lower East Side. She's also the director of June Jordan's Poetry for the People, Teaching Poetry and Spoken Word at UC Berkeley. Welcome, Aya. Thank you so much. (laughs) <laughs> it is so nice to have you here. Uh, before we get into all of the exciting questions that we have for you today, we would like to ask you what we ask all our guests, which is who lives in your house? Great question. 
Um, I live in my house with uh, my partner. He and I are married, but uh, I'm from Berkeley, so I use partner. <laughs> and my daughter, who is uh, six and a half, and um, we live, uh, but we do live in a compound right next to my mom and a couple of other neighbors. So we have the household and then the sort of the extended compound household. Wow. Compound so is cool. a new word we haven't come up with. But, yeah. you know, we came compound. up with this question when we started the show because we were like, hey, we don't want to be the jerks who are like, we're going to ask you a really strange, evasive question of your family setup. You know, like, do you have, do you live on a commune? Do you live on whatever? And then occasionally we get people who live in the compound, sort of. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's exactly why we asked the question because it's so cool yeah. to say the different setups and people call it different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I like compound because I feel like it gives it the urgency that raising children deserves. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. So let's get into some questions. Let's first uh, find out. Uh, this is one of the first things I wanted to know was you used to travel a lot with your work in spoken word and poetry, uh, as well as part of your life as an activist. And I'd like you to talk a little bit about both of those. But but you became suddenly you had a child. And I was wondering if becoming a parent, how did that affect your work and your activism? Oh, it it has affected it significantly. I bet. Yeah. So, um, so I think, but to be fair, I have to say that originally I was a novelist. I started right. working on on uh, long on long fiction in my twenties, but I didn't have the attention span to finish <laughs> it, and I didn't have sort of the capacity to have the solitary experience and stay focused. So I became a poet and spoken word artist and hip hop theater artist. So I could have that kind of back and forth with the audience. I'm really extroverted. And, um, and I did that for a period of time and it was awesome, but I also knew that I would eventually circle back to being a novelist and that being a novelist would be much more compatible with having a kid. So I I got to stop, stop, stop. I want to ask you about this because when you described why you were having a difficult time with focus and attention span uh, in your twenties, which I totally get, (laughs) but like a lot of people that we have on who are writers or in the creative uh, field, whatever creative field they're in, as soon as they have the child and maybe I'm just talking about myself, uh, I feel like my attention span and my ability to focus especially with little kids, has just gone out the window. And I think it's so, you you may be the first person who has ever said to me, oh, I found so much more center than I was able to focus. And so I'm like, you are like this magical uh, unicorn in that in that way. And I would love for you, can you talk a little bit more about why you think that is for you? Well, I, so that's twofold. One is I certainly, before I had the kid, I had matured and developed more of an attention span. <laughs> uh-huh. So that's the first thing. Uh-huh. But there were some all, years. In yeah, there. some years. Yeah. Sure. So I ha- so so let us <laughs> don't try this at home, people. Don't have a child to increase your attention span. Um, but, I, but I will say that. Um, at the same time, there was a different kind of urgency. I mm. had developed the attention span to a degree, but also in the process of having a kid, like I would write while she napped on my chest and like, this is your 40 minutes. So mm. don't procrastinate. Don't get distracted. Don't check your email. Like get in there and write. 
And that, um, so I had put in a lot of time to develop a relationship with my writing voice and a relationship with the projects that I wanted to work on. But once I became a mom, it was like, this is the moment, you know? And so it definitely helped me value that time. And when I had those little windows of writing, like, oh, I'm awake and the, and the baby is not, like, I'd go straight to the computer and hit it and, you know, be in a sea of dirty dishes working on my novel. Yeah, but and that's so amazing. I, I mean, think, that's a real, I, I, yeah, I must job. stop you again and yeah. say that it's, that's a really hard thing to do. And, and so good job because it's, yeah, that's hard. That's like, I'm just sitting here listening to you and feeling like so inspired simultaneously being like, golly, that is that, you know, that snap you have to switch that snap in your head with the yeah. things that you're passionate about whether it's yeah. writing or what, whatever it is and you know I, I just good job doing that that's that's really difficult <laughs> thank you but yes and I and I did have to front load it and mm. build up the ability to sort of start and stop on a dime because uh, it's like she's asleep I'm going for it I hear the whale coming from the bedroom and I'm putting it down got it so I was I recently picked up um, Malcolm Gladwell's outliers you know he talks about putting in those 10,000 hours uh-huh. so um, I had definitely put in you know many thousands of hours into writing before I became a mom which is part of what allowed me to have that relationship with it that I could jump in and jump out. It's really difficult to do that if you haven't developed that relationship. So um, I'm grateful to have had the time to build that up before becoming a mom. And then as a mom, you know, the time was precious and I was able to take advantage of it. So how about uh, in terms of your activism? How has uh, having a child uh, affected the time that you have and uh, to put into activism as well as maybe where your focus is, has it affected this? It has. It's really shifted a number of things. One um, is that I, you know, my, my novel is probably packed with like a hundred different activist themes because during the period <laughs> that I was working on it, I'm like at home with my kid, unable to sort of go out in the world and express myself mm. on different um on different topics. Um, and so I was sort of jamming it all into this one poor unsuspecting book. um, I have to say also, um, you know, I became sort of a blogger and a freelancer writing a lot of passionate opinion pieces, which I hadn't really done before. I had sort of poured a lot of it into spoken word and would develop these spoken word pieces that I would perform, but I, uh, developed sort of an online, uh, kind of journalist commentary life um, as a way of weighing in and being part of a public conversation about uh, lots of different issues. Um, and then, of course, I, um, particularly around police violence um, and Black Lives Matter, uh, worked for a while with a group of parents developing um, p- p- kind of activist programming for families with children zero to eight, because, you know, here we have this huge, crucial political movement going on around us. And yet, you know, a lot of the themes of violence um, were not the kinds of actions and activities that adults were participating in weren't necessarily appropriate for us to take children to, not only because some of them were being targeted violently by the police and it wasn't safe for adults, let alone children, but also just even if they were physically safe, 
some of the imagery mm-hmm. and uh, conversation was very much at an adult level and not broken down into pieces that kids could understand. So we wanted to have actions that were child-centered and fun. Um, and uh, that was really uh, that was really important within our community because so many of us activists had had kids and felt like, gosh, there's this huge movement that we want to be part of and not just at home, you know, in the middle of the night scrolling through Twitter and Facebook, you know, as our kids sleep beside us or in the other room, you know, we wanted to actually be able to kind of be out and proud and also support the leadership of our children, letting them, you know, understand in child-centered environments that they too can take a stand for justice and equality. Well, I think that that leads right into one of the things we wanted to talk about Uh, last year... God, is it? It's it's longer than a year uh, after the shooting in Charleston in the church, uh, where the man came in and shot. It was eight members of the church, correct? That were that, mm. I'm trying to remember correctly in Charleston, uh, and it was awful. And then uh, Bree Newsom uh, removing the Confederate flag from the flagpole. It was some really, you know. It was, a, it was a time where you wanted to, I mean, well, every, I got to tell you, not it was a time. It was one of many times that I want to start talking to my, to my daughter. My son was two, I mean, he's, he was one. But this is, but this is good. Right. This is something we can talk about. Um, but my daughter, who was like five, six, uh, during, during a lot of these uh, recent events, um, about this stuff and about... Uh, race about why this is happening about uh, the violence that surrounds it and you wrote a, a piece from Mother Magazine which is a online publication that we really love it's just a, we, we've had guests on from there before uh, including the creators of Mother Magazine it was where you told this you did a sort of a piece about how do you talk to little kids uh, about this, and you wrote this beautiful story, and it really it was a, such a great way to tell a four year old or a five year old or a six year old uh, sort of about the history leading up to to where we are. Do you mind talking about that? Not at all. Well, I um, so at the time my daughter was five, mm-hmm. and I um, you know we're an African heritage family. I had chosen at that time to err on the side of. Um, saying less about the violence that was going on uh, in our nation at the time. Uh, and my, my perspective was, I want that the, the edu- political education is a long-term, <laughs> lifelong project, and I didn't want an avalanche of scary facts to hit her as yeah. a preschooler. Um, I wanted to go slowly in building her perspective about the world that the world is filled with injustice and the world is also filled with people who are fighting injustice and an optimistic perspective that we are going to win. Like that is my goal. That here. is a clear that goal. She have Love a clear so goal. Yeah, but that, I think that that's part one. I, I do. I honestly want to stop and talk about that. Just that yeah. having a clear idea for yourself of what you want to accomplish when you start talking about this. Cause I definitely went the the route with Katie Bell, where any opportunity that came up, 
I started talking about stuff, you know. Right. You know, if we were listening to a song and she was like, oh, I love that song. We're listening to like, you know, jazz in the house. We're listening to a song. And, and she's like, I really like that. And I was like, well, that performer was one of the greatest performers, you know, mm-hmm. in American history. But just imagine, just think about the fact he wasn't allowed in the front door to perform. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we would talk about mm-hmm. these different things. But I sometimes wonder, I never had a clear statement of what my goal was. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes wonder if I'm, just like you said, sort of vomiting out <laughs> all this like, oh, you know, you've got you to understand. You to know about this You stuff. have to know. It's really bad. But I, yeah. <laughs> and then everybody hide under the bed. But Teresa, I, this, and I think this is going to tie into the story that you tell, the, the other side of that. And Teresa was talking about this with me beforehand as I'm sitting here purging all of the stuff <laughs> on my daughter who is a fact sponge and is going mm-hmm. to go out and share this to the mm-hmm. first people that she can see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but Teresa was talking about her kids are uh, like a little yeah, younger my, than Katie, but just like a year younger than Katie. Two, yeah, two years. Two years exactly. younger. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Two years. Simon is four and a half, almost five. He's going to be five in a couple weeks. Yeah, and, and you Oscar's struggle two with. And a half. And I, yeah, I mean, Oscar, I think, I mean, basically what I, my approach has been like, my kids are too young to understand like the violence and I would rather just focus on like diversity is a good thing basically (laughs) Mm -hmm. and like celebrating differences basically and that's like as far as I've gotten and it feels like there's something sorely missing from that like Mm, as he gets older and as he's yeah about to turn five and about to go to kindergarten and you know his world is about to open up so much and Mm -hmm. I feel um like I I want to I want to help yeah, shape his shape right. his vision for the world, and I love the way you describe that. Where, you know, there's there are the world is filled with injustices, but there are people fighting for that, and we're, go- and we're going to win. And we're going to win. I, I just, we're going to win. We're going to win. That. Yeah, yeah. And I can't, you know, I can't guarantee that we're going to win, but I have to say, I cannot really see any advantage to having a perspective like, oh, we might win, we might not. Like, the perspective that we're going to win is really the useful one. (laughs) And, you know, it's interesting. That's Um, a good point. (laughs) Yeah. I I think one of the tools that I really pushed for with our first um, Children's Black Lives Matter action was the book The Sneetches. Um, And I think that The Sneetches is an incredible political education tool because... The Dr. Seuss's book, The Sneetches, it's from the book, The Sneetches and Other Stories, but it's a very short story within that book, The Sneetches. Um, it talks about how differences are actually not that important. And in the story, there's a guy, um, basically the, the Sneetches that have stars are in a higher caste in that system, and they look down on the Sneetches with no stars. And somebody comes to town with a star on off machine <laughs> and promises them to make them more elite if they change themselves. And then eventually he gets all their money and leaves town. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> and they're all mixed up. They can't remember who had stars originally. And um, what I love about that is it really lays out, it lays out oppression it lays out that based on oppression, people will be confused into trying to assimilate and change mm. themselves. But the best takeaway to me about the Sneetches is that it also lays, ba- lays out the notion that the basis, the pretext for the oppression 
is false and a lie. Mm. And I think the, the thing that's crucial to me about that as a teaching tool around racism or really any oppression is that it's a lie. So it can, if we start talking about racism before we start talking about oppression and the notion that the basis of the oppression is a lie, children who are very literal can start thinking, well, this is happening because I'm black. Mm. This is happening because my family speaks Spanish. This is happening because my family doesn't have money, because I'm a girl, because I have two moms as parents. No, this is happening because of oppression in the society, which is never actually, which is never actually based on something wrong with the person being targeted. Right. It's based on an irrational prejudice. Mm-hmm. So I love the snitches as an initial teaching tool because it, it exposes the irrationality of the prejudice. So I think that's a great initial building block. And then sort of eventually my daughter has grown into understanding like racism. People are targeted based on the color of their skin. But one of the things that was really important to me in the Brie Newsom story was the idea that I talked about one group of people and another group of people, and I didn't talk about race. The story was about one group exploiting another group. Because again, for younger children, we're trying to get the the concept of oppression and exploited labor. Like that was what I was trying to no, communicate. That's such a good point because you can, you know, people, we can get, you know, bogged down in like very specific history or at least mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I am, you know, I'm, I am from the deep South. I am from a place of a lot of mm-hmm. history. It is, mm-hmm. it is very, because I was, you know, I know all the Civil War stories. I, I, that is something yeah. that if you were from California, you would have other stories. You know, it's, it's like a regional right. thing that mm-hmm. you that you right. grew up learning about. And so when, you know, I'm talking to Katie Bell about stuff like this, it's very hard not to talk. About, it, I found it very right. tricky, and I had to really take the time as we were talking to say, to not focus you're right, to not focus on race because, for example, she goes to an incredibly diverse school and all of her friends <laughs> are incredibly, you know, go across the spectrum. And I didn't want to put her in a situation where she suddenly saw her friends right. differently. Right. Um, right. And so I, I think what you're saying, you're just using words that are so much better than mine. <laughs> uh, so th- it's a but hard I'm so, one. I'm so like, thankful hard for it. Figure out. I'm so thankful yeah, for it because know, I, it, saying oppression over race is something I can hold. I can use that. You know what I mean? Right. I, that is a usable right. tool for me. Right. And I, right. And that's well, what people need is are yeah. tools. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I remember, like I remember the first time my daughter asked me about slavery and it was interesting because it actually was not at all in an African-American context, in spite of the fact that that is our heritage. We also have, um, you know, we have a very diverse extended family, including um, Jewish heritage in our family. Mm -hmm. So we're like at a Jewish event and they're talking about slavery in the context of like, you know, the Torah, the Old Testament. So my daughter's like, what is slavery? And I'm like, oh, God. (laughs) And I'm like, I took a breath. I hadn't, you know, I hadn't thought so much about this particular question, but I had thought about, like, tone and (laughs) attitude, right? Right. So she's like, she's like, what's slavery? I said, oh, 
It's where one group of people makes another group of people work and doesn't pay them. Yeah. Isn't that a terrible idea? Yeah. That's terrible. <laughs> but I had a, like a relaxed home, like, oh, that's awful. That would, that's, a, that's just a very bad idea. Right. And then she was like, okay, and we moved on. Yeah. You know, and I feel like the pull is like, well, a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> really like, oh, <laughs> cotton, oh, our, well, our folks, you know. So it's like there's this pull to TMI. <laughs> yeah. But I, I felt like after that one, she like, yeah. She nodded. I was like, okay, phew. I felt like I answered well, I swear, that. Yeah. Really we talk well. we talk on the show all the time about these hard questions when they come up with kids, and I have failed so many times going too much information about death <laughs> or religion or whatever. Or sex. And every, or sex comes up with sex and every too. time they are tuned out a minute in, and it's always mm-hmm. like my mantra is just shut up, Elizabeth. Shut up. Shut up, Liz. Just mm-hmm. keep your mouth shut. They don't want all that information. That's it. It's really hard, though, right? So it's really hard. (laughs) So I just, you know, but it's like, keep calm. So my whole thing is like, keep calm, try a light tone. And then once you're trying a light tone, you can't say certain things like, well, there were these cotton fields. Like, okay, no, that doesn't go with light tone. Like, (laughs) this light tone is like, yeah, this is terrible. They made them work. They didn't pay them. That's not fair. So that, that went reasonably well. So I think that... Uh, with that, with that victory under my belt, um, <laughs> maybe a year later, my um, we were having dinner at some friend's house, and Bree Newsom had just snatched down the flag, and one parent said, "Oh, they were talking about this at our kid's school," and I mm. thought, "Oh, oh dear," you know, I I yeah. knew about it. I was you know online reading right. about it, and I thought, "Oh." My daughter's going to encounter this. Uh-huh. And I was like, let me get ahead of this. Yeah. Oh, I was like, yeah, let me get ahead of this. And so the Brie new story that I wrote really started with me just trying to come up with a story that I could tell my daughter. Because it was such a triumphant moment. I was like, if I can get ahead of this, yeah. this will be a story that fits my plan here. Yeah. The world is filled with oppression. People are fighting it. We're going to win. I was like, this is my shot. So literally, I'm like in bed. My daughter is asleep next to me. I'm like, tick, tick, tick on the computer, snatching down little images online. I'm like, you know, and I there's the flag. And I looked at it and I remembered the sort of the pirate Confederate flag. I was like, it's a pirate story. Yeah. This is perfect. Slavery is a pirate story, you know, because part of with kids, you want to build on you want to have a conversation with them about something going on in the language that they can understand. Kids understand pirates, right? right? They understand that pirates can be, you know, bad and dangerous and that um, and they understand the idea of, you know, people being unfair and treating other people uh, mean. And so, you know, this was a story of pirates, meanness and people fighting that oppression and, you know, getting taking the flag down. And so I thought, okay, okay, this, we can get this. This is in the talking points. Let me yeah. bang this story out. And literally, like in half an hour, I had banged out the story. Then I was like, well, let me put it on my blog. So I did. And then, um, and then I think, I can't remember if I sent it to Mother or they approached me and asked me to reprint it. But I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and a few, a few different places asked to reprint it just because people are so hungry for stories. Um, you know, and I even, I was approached by a couple of parents who were like, we've got to make this into a book. And I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. I have so many, I have a, I have an actual, you know, book I was planning to publish, but (laughs) I don't really have time right now to do yet another book, but, uh, so that may still happen at some point, but meanwhile, it's online and available because I, you know, people need tools. We need stories like those of us who write stories. We need stories and children 
really need stories because, you know, things need to be um, kind of told in terms that are child-friendly that they can understand. And, and, and that's exactly what it was. It was. It's one of those things that when you read that piece, you're like, oh, I have made this way too complicated. <laughs> Thank you for this gift. And you're welcome. It, yeah. it, it, it is a gift. But I I want to cuz I want to now shift actually because like you said, uh you have been working on something else. <laughs> I have. And, and I so have indeed. I want to wrap up uh a little bit talking about uh your debut novel Uptown Thief and it's I mean it's got all the good stuff. It's sexy, it's heisty, it's active. I mean, it's it's got all these different voices coming into it, clearly from you. Uh, and so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the book, and if you could, to talk a little bit about those different parts of you and your life at, at, and how they played into writing this book as a as an author, oh, as an yeah. activist, as yeah, or just as a somebody who likes writing, you know, or a good right. high story. Yes, I would love to. So, um, Uptown Thief is a Robin Hood story. My protagonist, Marisol Rivera, <laughs> runs a clinic um, on Manhattan's Lower East Side that primarily serves sex workers. And when the economy uh, begins to tank. She starts an escort service on the side to keep the doors open. And when that's not enough to keep the clinic afloat, she begins heisting a group of corrupt corporate CEOs who were involved in a sex trafficking scandal. And then they get a chance to heist a billionaire. And that's sort of the central heist of the book. But you have this sort of, uh, you know, anyone who's ever worked for a community-based nonprofit has had that moment of <laughs> fundraising where they've been like, I just need to rob a bank, you know? And so this is that fantasy kind of well, that's it. run wild. That's the question. Is this just like some like late night activist, yeah, community work, like a fantasy where you're just like, screw this. This is, you know, like, all right, yeah, we, we're just going to do this. We're just going to do this thing yeah, that exists. So, yeah. Right. So that's, that's, that's definitely part of it. And I, you know, the book just brings together a lot of different political themes. One of the reasons that I chose to write about sex work was because I knew I wanted to write something really commercial and sexy, but, um, I wanted something that was sexy, but also in a way that the sex was really politicized and sex work is an extremely political, controversial location. It sits at the intersection of gender, Mm -hmm. race, commerce, class, nationality. Um, and so I felt, I felt confident that I could create a really sexy environment, but that one that was very politicized. And I also liked, you know, the sort of the cliche of the Puerto Rican sex worker, but what if she was also a criminal mastermind? Like I liked (laughs) adding an unexpected dimension to the character. And so that was really fun. But I I did want, um, you know, I've worked on many different kinds of uh, writing projects over the years, and I wanted something that would have a lot of commercial appeal. So I wanted it to be sort of a teeny <laughs> beach read. I, tell you, I love know, that. Like, I love that because that, that's exactly right. I want people to read this. Yeah, I want. Yeah. I so want this. To, like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it's like wealth redistribution and feminist health care wrapped up in a steamy beach read. So I like it, you know, so that was the thing. And I have to say, so as a mom, that was the biggest, you know, most complex piece of it. 
Like, here I have this daughter, you know, feminist mom. I won't let her have a Barbie doll. Right. And um, out comes this novel, like, and on the cover of the novel is basically, like, Latina Barbie. Oh, right? it's the, it is a Barbie. Husband. My husband walked yeah, by and was like, what's like, this? <laughs> what is, what are you reading? Yeah. yeah. So I had to really think about how do I explain to my daughter, like, what this Barbie doll is doing on the cover of my book. And I explained, you know, and so I explained, again, how do you break it down yeah. in terms? So I said, well, you know, these 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 uh, bad guys have stolen money from the people, and she's going to steal it back. And so she's dressed up really fancy to sneak into their party. And she's like, oh, okay, yeah, got it. So that made sense <laughs> to her. And so... It was really sweet. On the day my book came out, she she made a little picture for me that had my name, and then uh, ben- beneath my name, she wrote "sneaky" in little hearts. <laughs> <laughs> so she gets it, and and I had to write about that because I felt, you know, like before I showed her the cover and explained the cover to her, I was just like, oh my god, you know, I yeah. I have to put this in context. Because I, you know, I'm very concerned about kind of the messages of sexualization that young women get. And I want to put this in some kind of context so she has a way of understanding it other than, well, mommy thinks this is pretty or, you know, this is what I'm supposed to aspire to. So I felt like I did reasonably well. Again, like I thought about that one a lot. And, um... You know, now the house is distilled with these books and, you know, flyers and posters and whatever. So she understands what's happening. She's sneaking into the party to steal the money for the people. So there you have it. Well, I uh, thank you so much for joining us. That Just again, I, I just so appreciate. I, I love having guests on who are able to put things into words and give me jobs uh, that I can do and that I can understand. And we're going to link everybody up to Uptown Thief, as well as to your website, as well as to uh, the story that you wrote about the pirates and Brie Larson. We're also going to link people up. Last week, we had a guest who was the recommendations librarian from the New York Public Library. And she actually has been working on a compiled list uh, for that includes uh, some great books for children in terms of talking about Black Lives Matters as well as other conversations about diversity. And so we'll relink people up to that as well since we're talking about some of that today. Uh, Yeah, that's great. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. What a great service for for parents. (laughs) Well, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Pick up the phone when you like I'm comedian Emily Heller. And I'm cartoonist Lisa Hannawalt. And we're the hosts of Baby Geniuses. Do you want to learn weird new facts? Do you like hearing successful creative women talk about their poop? Do you want the scoop on Martha Stewart's pony? If you answered yes to any of these questions, our show is for you. We interview people like Paula Tompkins, Kristen Shaw, Michael Che, and more. So check us out on Maximum Fun. And let us mess up your brain. Yes, please. Baby Geniuses, we know everything. Baby Geniuses, tell us something we don't know. Hey, you work hard, you play harder, you look great, and you smell fantastic. 
You deserve a vacation where you can kick back, hone your creativity, enjoy incredible comedy performances, and make some new lifelong friends in a maybe haunted inn in the Poconos Mountains. We've got The Adventure Zone, JJ Go, Joe Firestone's Friends of Single People, plus stand-up from Aparna Nancherla, Phoebe Robinson, Kevin Avery, Joel Kim Booster, and way more. Join us for Max FunCon East, September 2nd through 4th. There are only 10 rooms left, so head to maxfuncon.com and nail down your tickets today. Like now. Do it. That was really helpful. Yeah. Adia, how, how are you feeling? Oh, it was great. Yeah. Super I helpful. Like I feel so like much. I feel like I know what to do. I know. <laughs> I, well, you know that we do like a task. We like, you know, I love it. We've had lots of guests on before talking about all kinds of uh, different things where they, they've just been able to put it in terms that is so much less complicated than I have made it for myself in my head. Mm-hmm. And it is so helpful. And I also really liked hearing her talk about sort of the the prep work that she had done before having kids that allowed her to start pursuing a passion of hers after she had her daughter, yeah. uh, which I think there was a lot of value in that as well. I think so, too. Yeah, yeah. Just, again, let's just have more people on who can kickstart us to start pursuing, making that time forgiving ourselves for not filling that time with all the other stuff. Uh, I just, yay, yay. That was great. Uh, also, her book is a good time. I enjoy a good time. Uh, I, I say it's a good time in bed because that's where I read it. Uh, you know what else is a good time, Teresa? What's that? Is listening to a mom have a breakdown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I'm calling it a rant or a fail. I had a hysterectomy on April 1st, and it's been like almost three months, and it's not healing well. If it doesn't start healing well, I have to have another surgery. It's been holding up, it's holding up, and I just, I can't follow up anymore. I know. This. Why would you play this? <laughs> <laughs> because this is a thing. Yeah. This is so. If you didn't hear, she had a hysterectomy. Uh, it was a little Three hard to make ago. out. Three months ago, and she's still having a hard time healing from that. And uh, and she's clearly wrestling with not feeling like she can mom up enough to get through this. And as a person who has gone through procedures that didn't work out and had to have procedures again and it continuously halting your life, Mm -hmm. that is difficult. And that is frustrating. And to try and heal from anything uh, with kids. Yeah. And, and like all the normal, I mean, like even without kids, it yeah. can be really hard to do because of work responsibilities, other family responsibilities that may you, ha- you may have. You throw in kids and that is just uh, the next level yeah. of not being able to have time for yourself. And I, I, I want to say uh, two things. One, it is not a fail that you just called in. You called mm-hmm. on a rant. Yeah. You deserve to call in or to say out in the middle of Target or wherever you are, I'm having a really hard time. This isn't working out the way I want it to work out. And this sucks. Yeah. Okay. And two, you are doing an amazing job. 
The, that's it. You yeah, are doing, you are. this is hard. It's so hard. Your body is compromised. Yeah. And yet you're still having to do the stuff that you have to do every day. Which doesn't allow your body yeah. to get uncompromised. Yeah, it's so it's hard. really difficult. Yeah. You deserve help. You deserve support. And you deserve to heal. Yes. And you are doing a good job. Do not put any sort of mom-up guilt on yourself. No way. This you are not, momming this up. This is not this, rallying no. for vacation or no. somebody. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is not a mom-up no. thing. You are doing good. Yeah. Okay? Teresa. Yes. What have you learned today? We learned a lot. Okay. Parenting parenting other people's kids. Yeah. We're great at it. We're so good at Everybody it. Everybody should let us come Everybody over and parent. Should. Oh, wait, we don't want that don't extra want... work. Oh, yeah. Never mind. Heck with that. We're no good at it. Don't trust us with your kids. I think there are good things that can come out of it yeah. in terms of your children being exposed to different ideas, uh, reminding your children that they got it much better in your house. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, and it's good. it can be good for us. It can, it can remind us that there are other ways to deal with situations. Yeah, and, and can give us a break. Yeah, it can give us a break. Yeah. Yes. We also had a really great conversation with Aya about uh, ways to simplify the process of talking to our kids about difficult things uh, and not uh, taking the approach that I always find myself (laughs) taking, which is, understand everything, six-year-old, that's taken me 42 years to figure out. Good. Great. Um, And I thought they were really helpful. I thought Absolutely. they're really insightful. Yeah. Um, and uh, we also learned that it's good to curl up with a fun, action-packed, sexy book sometimes. Oh, yeah. Mama, Mama needs a sexy book. We kind of knew that. We kind of knew that, It was yeah. a good reminder <laughs> that those exist. Hey, here's a fun, exciting thing about books. Uh, Teresa and I, uh, on behalf of One Bad Mother, are writing a book. And this is our official announcement that One Bad Mother's got a book coming out. The book is called You Are Doing a Great Job, 100 Ways You're Winning at Parenting Even If You Think You Aren't. <laughs> it's by Biz and Teresa. It's from Countryman Press, an imprint of W.W. W. Norton, and it'll be coming out in April 2017 in hardcover. We're super grateful to our editor, Anne Treisman at Countryman, and our awesome literary agent, Kate McKean, Woo-hoo! who happens to be an expecting... One bad mother herself (laughs) of Howard Morheim Literary Agency for helping us make this happen. And the book, like our show, is all about being honest about what parenthood is really hard (laughs) and reminding ourselves that just by continuing to get up every day and feed and love our kids, we're doing an amazing job. And it's also filled with jokes. Yeah, it's full of the jokes. It's full of the full of the parenting jokes, guys. Uh, we're really excited about it. Teresa and I have been having a really fun time over the last year uh, working on this. Uh, and so it'll be out in April 2017. Just and in you time can look for, for it Mother's everywhere. Day. It'll yeah. be everywhere. It'll be everywhere. So guys. just anywhere just, you want to buy a book. Yeah. It'll there be it there. is. Everybody, you are doing a remarkable, remarkable job. Uh, working your way through this. And remember, it's okay to totally screw up. It will only scar our children mildly, and we can fix it. Mostly. You can mostly fix anything. And if not, we'll let another parent step (laughs) in and fix it for us. Yeah, Um, Teresa, you are doing a very good job. Thank you, Biz. So are you. Thank you. (laughs) And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. I got to low down my
mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Fun, Lindsay Pavlis, our engineer, our husbands, Stefan Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you are listening. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. If you have a genius or fail moment you'd like to share on the show, then leave us a message at 206-350-9485. Full-on rage-induced rants are also welcome. Well, Daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blues. Oh, said Daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blues. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.